Thank you very much uh, for having me here. It is an honor to have the opportunity to share with you uh, some of the findings from comparative cross-national survey that I carried out in the Middle East in the past decades. Well, let's get into it. Trends in values, uh, Islamic fundamentalism versus liberal nationalism, the clash of values. In this book, I try to highlight the conflict between Islamic fundamentalism and liberal values as the key factor shaping the politics of the Middle East and its future. I also conceptualize the history of the Middle East in the modern period, the modern period being in the Middle East began with the Napoleon invasion of Egypt in 1798-1801. The history of that period is conceptualized as a succession of different cultural episodes. And I propose that the Arab Spring signifies the changes or a major shift toward liberal values and the beginning of new episode in the region. So in this talk, I conceptualize and define religious fundamentalism and then measure a religious fundamentalism as well as liberal values. And I show by empirical data how these two measures relate to one another. And then I talk about trends in values and um, toward expressive individualism, gender equality, and uh, secular politics. Now let's begin with the 1970s, uh, which, which is a decade which in, in a sense was not a very happy decade. A major shift toward religious fundamentalism transpired in the three Abrahamic faith, not just in Islam. For example, we see the rise of Christian phalange in Lebanon and moral majority in the United States the rise of Gush Eminem among, uh, Gush Eminem among Israeli Jews, and the rise of Shia and Sunni fundamentalism in the Middle East. So that is, there are considerable empirical data that shows that in fact, there was this shift occurred. However, in Islam, three, four fortuitous events transfer fundamentalism from a sort of a minor ideological religious movement into a major or a dominant discourse in the region. Now, these events are as follows. The first was the pro-Islamic military coup by General Zia al-Haq in Pakistan in 1977, and the subsequent Islamization program implemented by his regime. The second was, of course, the Iranian revolution of 1979 that brought the Shia fundamentalists to power. It excited and boosted the morale of Muslim activists worldwide that if Iranian could overthrow a secular, a powerful secular regime, then other, the Sunnis and other Muslim activists in other countries can do the same. Then the third was the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan in 1979 that turned an extremist idea, jihad as federal aid, violent jihad 
on a par with praying, fasting, pilgrimage to Mecca, that became a sort of a normal. You know, in the 60s, Muslim extremists was talking about violent jihad. But it was under the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan that that idea of violent jihad became normal among Afghanis, Muslim activists. And it was broadcasted not by Muslims themselves, but by NPR, by Western media, because they wanted to basically stick it to the former Soviet Union. Um, it was a payback time. So that contributed to the normalization of the idea of extremism in Afghanistan. And that one removed, that extremism became also popular in other uh, uh, Muslim majority countries, including Egypt and Iran. And the fourth was the seizure of the Grand Mosque in Mecca by Juhaynam al-Utaybe and his followers that displayed the political uh, vulnerability of the Saudi kingdom. Again, as you see that when the shift in values occur, events cluster together. Remarkable, you know, three major historical events occurred in the same year. That provided the Islamic movement, the image of worldwide revivalist uh, 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 orientation of Muslim, and the rise of sort of Islamic reassertion, according to uh, people in the uh, in the academia. So, so what happened? The domination of society by Islamic regime in Iran and other places in Afghanistan, and the uh, Muslim extremism, sectarian violence, suicide terrorism, begot liberal oppositional response. When we have a society in which religion dominate, that create a favorable conditions for the rise of liberal oppositional response. And this is nothing new. For example, the rise of liberal Arabism in Syria was in opposition to Sultan Abdul Hamid, pan-Islamic despotism. You know, Sultan Abdul Hamid was the last, uh, or one of the last uh, uh, leader of the, uh, of the Ottoman Empire. Or the rise of the constitutional thought among Iranian was the response to absolutism of the Qajar and the old ulama abstractionism. So by the same token, I argue that the rise of liberal values, support for liberal values in the Middle East is a response to the rise on domination of Islamic regime, the outbreak of sectarian violence, and suicide terrorism. Now, the data that I will be uh, using in this presentation are first, from Iraq, I have carried out value survey uh, in 2004, a year after the American occupation of the country, and then we continued the survey in 2006, 2007, eight, nine, and the last one was in 2011. In Iran, uh, I carried out two surveys. One was in 2000, the other one 2005. Unfortunately, these days it is impossible to carry out survey research in that country. Uh, and in 2011, I carried out seven country cross-national comparative survey. And in 2016, a survey in Jordan. And 2020 uh, in Israel, and between 2011 and 2020 is a panel survey in Egypt, Tunisia, and Turkey. We draw a national representative sample of 3,000 
Egyptian, Tunisian, and Turkish responded. And we tried to find the same respondents and re-interview them, asking them the same question three times in order to establish trends and values. So all the survey that I carried out are based on face-to-face -face interview in the vernacular, you know, uh, in Turkey, with in uh, uh, in the uh, in Turkish language, in uh, among the Kurds, and then in some cases either in Arabic or Kurdish in Arabic countries, in Arabic, uh, 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 well, in Iran, of course, in Persian. So uh, except in. Uh, Israel, the survey we carried out is based on uh, uh, online uh, survey. Now measurement, what is religious fundamentalism? Something that we need to know, religious fundamentalism is not a set of belief different from other religious belief. It is rather a set of belief about an attitude toward whatever religious belief one has. For example, the belief in God is a religious belief. The belief in the Trinity of, of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is a Christian belief. The belief in the oneness of God is an Islamic belief. Now, the belief that my religion is closer to God than your religion, or only the follower of my religion will go to heaven, not the follower of your religion, or the follower of my religion should have more right than your religion, or God severely punishes people, even if they engage in the minor infraction of, their, of his rules, are all fundamentalist belief, because they display certain orientation toward religious belief, certain attitude toward religion. And we define fundamentalism as a multidimensional construct consisting of Disciplinary, disciplinary conception of, of the deity. God in fundamentalist perspective is a disciplinarian God, is a God who severely punishes you in hell. Literalism, it is based on the notion that the scripture being the Quran, the Bible or the Torah or Talmud are, are constitute a system of absolute truth that what is written in the scriptures in the holy book is literally true. The fundamentalists are not interested in the interpretation or interested in literal, literal application of religious truth in their perspective. Religious exclusivity is based on the notion that only my religion will, only, only my religion is close to God. Only the follower of my religion will go to heaven. And things like this. This is religious exclusivity. It's just the opposite of uh, religious pluralism. Religious intolerance, this is self-explanatory. So we measured this, con this concept in terms of four survey question. And we assess the face validity, statistical validity, and predictive validity of this construct that I'm not going to get into. But I'm going to share with you uh, the questions and the responses that we got to fundamentalism item across the Middle East. First, on disciplinary deity, only the fear of God keeps people on the right path. Do you strongly agree? agree, disagree, or strongly disagree. So the, those who are strongly disagree, quoted as four, 
uh, those who strongly agree coded as four and strongly disagree is coded as one. So fundamentalism varies between one and four in a sort of a standardized fashion. Any infraction of religious instru instruction will bring about God's severe punishment. Satan is behind any attempt to undermine belief in God. People stay on the right path only because they expect to be rewarded in heaven. So what I'm going to report is the average of the responses to these four questions across the Middle East. So those who strongly agree or agree are together and here is the data. As you see that 91% of the Iraqis 96% of Egyptians, 72% of Lebanese, 93% of Jordan, 93% of Pakistani, 85% of Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, 85% of Tunisian, 79% of Turkish, but 18% of Israeli public either strongly agree or agree with this statement. That means that the notion of disciplinarian God is quite popular which in a sense with people who theorize about the relationship between religion and authoritarianism that provides certain support that when we have an authoritarian religion that in the field of, of political uh, politics that may have considerable positive impact on political authoritarianism but moving on to the next question again literally uh, literalism or in, in or inerrancy again the same format uh, do you strongly agree to strongly disagree that the quran bible or torah depending on the respondent's religion is true from the beginning to end the quran has predicted all major events that have occurred in history in the presence of the quran there is no need for man-made laws Whenever there is a conflict between religion and science, religion is always right. This four item is important one. I want you to remember because I'm going to talk about it across uh, uh, a different, uh, about 50 or uh, nations that we ask these questions in the World Value Survey. Um, again, as you see, uh, the respondents are quite literalist in a sense that between 73% Lebanese and 95% Pakistanis, uh, on average, support this idea that the Quran or, uh, uh, is literally true. But this percentage is much lower uh, among Israelis at 33%. Still, for a democratic country, it is still high, 33% believing in uh, uh, literally understanding of the scripture now moving on to the question of uh, exclusivity again we ask we measure this construct in terms of again four questions only islam provides comprehensive truth about god do you strongly agree agree disagree or strongly disagree only islam christianity gives a complete and unfailing guide to human salvation only Muslim will go to heaven. Islam is the only true religion. Well, we ask, you know, for Christian, we ask Christianity is only true uh, religion. And for the Jews, we ask Judaism is the only true religion. So 
those who strongly agree or uh, or agree again you see that it varies between 64 percent lebanese and 94 percent pakistanis you know pakistanis appear to be more fundamentalist than the saudis but among the israelis it is much lower it is 35 percent so as you see on this three dimension there is a high level of support for for religious fundamentalism in the region but there is a glimmer of hope because on religious intolerance the percentage is much lower so intolerance do you strongly agree agree disagree or strongly disagree that our children should not be allowed to learn about other religions the follower of the followers of other religions should not have the same right as mine criticism of islam christianity or judaism should not be tolerated criticism of muslim religious leaders should not be tolerated those who strongly agree or agree you see that the percentages drop in uh, uh, in places like lebanon jordan uh, tunisia and to some extent turkey uh, people are more religiously tolerant than being intolerant because they're less than 50 percent but uh the only a high mark this you know in saudi arabia there to be uh, a high level of religious intolerance so if we change the question from uh, if i quote this answer to this question differently that become a measure of religious tolerance that i'm going to show the change in the level of religious tolerance between the, the three country panel survey uh, to show that you know that that in fact people become more religiously tolerant in the past decade and again the, the percentage among israeli is much lower so as you see uh we developed the fundamentalism scale i mean we use the same scale that is applicable to jews to christians and to muslims um now among iranians since when i carried out the survey in iran in 2005 we have not developed this fundamentalism scales but we have used a five questions that are comparable and these questions are as follows this survey carried out in 2005 again based on face-to-face -face survey the sample size was 3000 iranians islam should be the only religion taught in our public school only 58 percent either strongly agree or agree only good muslim will go to heaven non-muslim would not no matter how good they are only 20 percent of iranian either strongly agree or agree non-muslim religions have a lot of weird belief and pagan ways only 33 percent again a minority strongly agree or agree but on this question islam is closer to god than other religions 84% strongly agree or agree. So, and finally, whenever there is a conflict between religion and science, religion is probably right. 74% either strongly agree or agree. So the level of fundamentalism among Iranian is also high in 2005, but not as high as other countries. So remember I asked, I said that the one key question, if is a conflict between religion and science religion is always right we ask these questions 
across about 60 countries in the world. On the left side, you would see Japan, uh, Netherlands, China, mostly East Western European countries that basically disagree with this. Um, you know, the majority, the, uh, the only minority strongly agree or agree with that statement. Americans are somewhere here, 44% uh, or 40%. Um, uh, oh, I, yeah, it is 40% United States, which is quite high. That's why we have so many uh, Christian fundamentalists in the US, because 40% is the, one of the advanced democracy is a bit embarrassing for the follower of science. Um, among Iranian, as you see, Iranian is 77%. It is, um, I should practice, sorry. 77% is high, but Iran is lower than Turkey, which is about, uh, here's somewhere around here. Um, and then Saudi Arabia, and in the last one of Arab countries, Qatar is much higher, 99%. 99% of Qataris respondents said that if there was a conflict between religion and science, religion is always right. The case for Islamophobia. If I am teaching a class in Qatar, I will really be frightened because if people think that way, how could I teach the principle of scientific inquiry? So that is that I want to use this as a reason to argue that the fundamentalism scare that I constructed for Iranian is comparable to other countries uh, of the Middle East. So as you see here, uh, it is the scale varies between one and four. Uh, most of the countries that we carried out the survey are strongly fundamentalists, like Iraq, Egypt, uh, uh, Jordan, Jordan, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, Tunisia. Turkey is lower. Israel is much lower, 1.97, and after Israel is Iran, is 2.72. I mean, if you carry out the survey today, probably Iranian are much lower. You know, remember, this is 2005. And Iran, Iranian have become much more critical of religion, more supportive of liberal democracy. And actually my entire project on fundamentalism and liberal values is inspired by Iranian experience, but it is too sad that I have a limited uh, ability to carry out the survey in that country, but I spent most of the, uh, managed to carry out the survey in Saudi Arabia, that is, but not in Iran. Uh, uh, but we actually, we don't need much survey research about Iran because there are tons of anecdotal evidence that indicate the shift in value among Iranian toward liberal democracy. Now, by the same token, liberal values are also, is also measured by as a three components, as a multi-dimensional component. I want to let you know something that, uh, that I find it a bit frustrating among social scientists. Whenever an authoritarian ruler 
starts selling the government property to his friends, his cronies, and to his, uh, engage in some sort of corruption, they call it neoliberal policy. That is not a nice thing to say. This is not liberal policy, this is a corruption. That is what needed to be called. So this privatization and labeling privatization going on in particularly in some Middle Eastern countries as neoliberalism is, uh, is conceptually incorrect. So liberal basically means that support for individuality. I mean, when we are talking about modernity, in my view, modernity is based on one principle, and that is individual equality. The equality of individual, no matter what color, shape, or size, or religious orientation. The second is belief in gender equality, the equality between men and women. And actually, this is uh, uh, Millar once said that in the uh, late 17th century, or that the test of civilization is provided by the status of women. If you want to judge how an order, how civilized an order is, look how the women in that in that order is treated. The civilized societies treat women with equality, dignity, and respect, and the rude society treat them otherwise. And the third component is secular politics. So I add them together, and that create a single liberal index in the same way that I added the 16 fundamentalism item together and created one fundamentalism item. So expressive individualism is measured in terms of the degree to which an individual is allowed to express him or herself freely. And one way of that freedom has to do with the basis for marriage. We asked responded, what is the more important basis for marriage? Print of, uh, parental approval, which is coded as one, or love? Those who mentioned love are considered to be more supportive of expressive individualism than those who mentioned parental approval. The second, we give the respondent a series of items, about 10 uh, qualities for children to have. Those who use independence and imagination as a favorable qualities for children to have, but did not use obedience and religious faith, are also treated as more supportive of expressive individualism. And then uh, the third question, we said that it is up to a woman to dress as she wishes. Those who strongly agree was quoted as four, strongly disagree as quoted as four. So on the face of it, when we talk about face validity, we thought that people who agree with these items, love as a basis of marriage, independence and imagination, and I agree with the fact that it is up to a woman to dress as she wishes, tend to be more supportive of expressive individualism. Let me share with you some data about responses to uh, uh, love as a basis for marriage. As you see, 90, 98% of Israelis said that uh, love, in fact, is more important than parental approval. After Israelis, you see Lebanon and Iran are competing one another, 69 and 66%, followed by Turkey. The other countries are predominantly patriarchal. You know, the parental authority is much more powerful than uh, 
than individuals' right to express themselves freely. Again, the question, uh, it is up to a woman to dress as she wishes. Again, Israelis are 83% after Israel, Iranian, 59%, which is quite high in 2005. Those that, uh, that who strongly agree or agree that it is up to woman to dress as she wishes, followed by Tunisia and Lebanon and, and also Turkey. The rest of the countries are less supportive of expressive individualism for women. Now, attitude toward gender equality, we asked, we measured that attitude in terms of five survey question. It is okay for a woman, uh, for a man to have more than one wife. Do you strongly agree? To those who strongly disagree is coded as four, those who strongly agree coded as one. A wife must always obey, obey her husband. Men make better political leader. Uh, university education is more important for boys than it is for girls. And in a tight job market, men should have more right to a job than women. So we add this together and create a gender equality index. Now, as you see, uh, Again, support for gender equality is much higher in, uh, in, uh, among Israelis, uh, then followed by Turkey. I mean, based on my survey data uh, uh, in the Middle East, after Israel, the Turkish respondent tend to be much more egalitarian uh, when it comes to gender relations. Uh, Lebanon is after 2.58. Five, eight, that is more supportive of gender equality than inequality. Iran is 2.4. We have a lot to do in, the, in that department. And Tunisia is just in between. You know, 2.5 is in between. It's neither supportive nor against uh, uh, equality. So uh, again, secular politics, uh, we ask, uh, measure that in terms of four questions. Do you strongly agree, agree, disagree, or strongly disagree that your country would be a better place if religion and politics were separated, or if its government was similar to Western government? Would it be very good, fairly good, fairly bad, or very bad uh, for your country to have an Islamic government when religious authorities have absolute power? As you see that those who are quoted that, who said very bad is quoted as four, or a good government is a government that implement uh, uh, the, sh the Sharia is number four. Uh, those who said this is least important or not important at all was quoted as five. Then we adjusted this to very between one and four. So we measured this in terms of attitude towards separation of religion and politics attitude toward Western type governments and attitude against Islamic government and the Sharia. So we created a secular politics index. And as you see, Iran is lower, but I must say that again, we carried out the survey face to face and the survey was carried out by uh, Iranian student polling agency. So, there is a question of preference falsification because when someone comes to your house and interview you, you don't know who that is. And you, you, in all likelihood, many people said that 
well, he may be the agent of the Islamic Republic. So they did not say the true feeling about, uh, you know, uh, uh, secular politics. Nonetheless, on the separation of religion and politics, close to 50% of Iranian were in favor of it. it when it comes to support for having uh, uh, sort of uh, Western-style government that the percentage of, uh, of Iranian who supported it dropped. Nonetheless, this 2.21 uh, in Israel is 3.10, but as you see in places like Lebanon, Iraq, Iraq in particular is an interesting case, and we're going to talk about it more, and Tunisia and Turkey, which is the considerable support for secular politics. Now, the question is that how liberal value and fundamentalism relate to one another across the, eight, the, the 10 countries? This is a measure in sociology, in the statistic, we call it correlation coefficient, which is measure, it is called R. R varies between negative one and plus one. Negative one means that absolute negative relationship or inverse relationship, positive means direct relationship. So as you see across the eight countries, the relationship with fundamentalism and liberal value is strongly inversely correlated. R is equal to negative 0.93. You know, the maximum absolute value is one, or in this case, negative one. So countries that are high in uh, fundamentalism is low in liberal values and vice versa. Um, and as you see that in fundamentalism, Iran is 2.75 and liberal value is 2.43. Uh, and uh, in Israel, it's just uh, quite different. So this is on cross-national level, using country as a unit of analysis. When you use individual as a unit of analysis, you find the same relationship, that individuals who are more fundamentalist are less supportive of liberal values and vice versa. You see that inverse relationship is highest among Israelis, negative 0.69, and among Iranian, negative 0.43s, and among Pakistanis is negative 0.53. But across all the countries, there is a sort of a significant negative relationship between fundamentalism and liberal uh, values. That indicate that only uh, in, in practice, this means that these two different type of sort of discourses clash one another. If you are high in one, you are low in the other. So that was basically uh, the relationship between, uh, or the conflict or the clash between fundamentalism and liberal value as we measure this. So what I'm going to talk about is to uh, present changes in values based on longitudinal survey. You know, the panel survey in Egypt, Tunisia and Turkey and longitudinal survey in Iraq. So we are going to focus on these uh, four indicators, expressive individualism, gender equality, secular politics, and liberal values. Now, this is data about panel survey. I'm not going to talk about it. It just gives you more detailed information about, the, about how, we, how and when we carried out the panel survey and who was responsible in all the countries. I have research team in different uh, Middle Eastern countries who are, carried, who are 
engage in carrying out the survey. Um, I'm more than happy to share with you the, this PowerPoint if you uh, need more detailed uh, information about the panel survey. Now, about expressive individualism, uh, among Egyptian, still Egyptian is highly patriarchal society nonetheless, the value of expressive individualism increased from 1.81 to 2.07. Among Tunisian, between wave one and wave two, wave one was in 2011-2013, wave two was in 2015-2016, and wave three was in 2020. And we tried, we tried to find as many responded as possible and re-interview them and ask them the same question. So but therefore, what you see the change, you say this change in the same individual. We cannot attribute the change in value to sampling fluctuation. So uh, although still between 1.81 and 2.07, there's a significant increase Yet Egypt has a long way to go to become you know, uh, more supportive of liberal democracy and expressive individualism, but it is moving in the right direction. In Tunisia, wave one and wave two, there was going in the right direction. Then wave three, there was a significant drop in support for liberal values. And that is consistent. The data is, the survey data is consistent with what is happening in Tunisia today that you know Tunisian are having an authoritarian government that has been trying to dismantle um, the, uh, the democratic institutions that uh, came to be as a result of the Arab Spring of, of uh, 2013. Uh, uh, so there is a struggle going on in Tunisia and we don't know which side is going to win but the data actually shows that the data is consistent with the, with the actual politics that is going on in that country. In Turkey, on the other hand, we see a, a consistent increase, um, um, at least between wave one and wave three, from 2.46 to 2.66. Uh, again, uh, uh, the maximum is four. Uh, so the Turkish respondents, according to data, show that you know, the majority of them are supportive of expressive individualism than being against it. Now, on gender equality, again, Egypt, you see that there is a significant increase from uh, 2000, uh, uh, between wave one and wave two, from 2.1 to 0.26. It's still a sexist society. Nonetheless, it's moving in the right direction. If you break it down by gender, you see a widening gap. The Egyptian women are much grown, much more supportive of gender equality than Egyptian men. In Tunisia, no significant change from 2.5 went up to 2.52 and went down to 2.49. But in Turkey, the increase is quite impressive from 2.73 in wave one to 3.06, which is quite high that you know that the the turk are moving in a uh, in the right direction toward gender equality now this is interesting now when values changes 
or when changes toward liberal values take place, that doesn't mean that all the component change at the same time and at the same rate. Some of the changes become a sort of a leading change, hopefully pull other uh, values in the right direction. And in case of Egypt, we ask this question, Egypt would be a better place if religion and politics were separated. In 2007, that the first time we asked this question, only 44% of Egyptian either strongly agree or agree. Then in 2011, that went up to 54%, the majority. In uh, 2000, fall of 2011, it went further up to 57%. But in 2004, 2016, and 2020, we asked the same question through, um, is more than 80, 80% or more. Just think about it. Egypt was under the propaganda of the Muslim brother for, for almost a century. But eventually, they come to the conclusion that their society is better if religion and politics are separated. This is a major, major change among Egyptians. Moreover, we ask this question, Egypt would be a better place if its government were similar to Western type government. In 2007, only 30% of Egyptian and minority either strongly agree or agree with that statement. In 2011, that went up to 35%. 19 and 16 percent. In 2015, it went up to 55 percent. The majority of Egyptians preferred that they had to have a government that was similar to Western type government. And in 2020, that jumped to 80 percent. A country that was under the propaganda of anti-West propaganda by pan-Arab nationalists and the fundamentalism of Muslim Brother all failed and the Egyptian come to the conclusion that they will be better off if they replicate or follow the Western political model of liberal democracy. And that is, that is the result, as you see. Um, so that is a major uh, change. Uh, so if I put in all the item of secular politics together, created uh, uh, a secular politics index, you see that among Egyptian, the index jumped from 2.36 in, in wave one to 2.69. Now the majority of Egyptian favor the separation of religion and politics. Um, in Tunisia, it went down from 2.81 to 2.67. Still the majority of Tunisian support the secular politics, but in Turkey, we see um, a significant increase from 2.85 to 2.97. So the shift towards secular politics is quite clear uh, across at least Egypt and, um, and Turkey. Now, religious tolerance, which is an important component of liberal democracy. We cannot have a liberal democracy if the dominant religion is authoritarian and people are religiously intolerant. So uh, 
Again, I asked the same question. Remember when we were talking about religious intolerance? The same four questions, but they were coded differently. Those who strongly disagree is coded as four, and those who strongly agree coded as one. So higher value indicate more religious tolerance. And as you see, a religious tolerance index among uh, Egyptian uh, went up from 2.25 to 2.63, but went down to 2.45. So, but still between wave one and wave three, there was a significant increase. In Tunisia, there was a decline in religious tolerance and indicate the shift toward authoritarianism in that country. Um, so we don't know what is going to happen next in Tunisia, maybe uh, uh, the, the supporter of democracy eventually win and uh, change the government. But in Turkey, we see that the, uh, the religious tolerance in, index went up from 2.43 to 2.74. Now I'm going to, this is uh, a summary of sort of 30,000 uh, face-to-face data across the three panel survey. Uh, uh, this is a lot to say, but I want to uh, uh, highlight a couple of points that I find it interesting. Uh, so this is the breakdown of the change in value by gender, age, and education. As you see, female among Egyptians, whether they are uh, university educators with or without university education experience the greatest amount of change. Young female with or without university education experience here about 0.43 and 0.46. So in Egypt, we can predict that the change, the, if liberal values is transform into political action, Egyptian women are going to play a significant role in it. In Turkey, there is not that uh, significant difference. However, young people experience the great, greatest amount of change. So the key message of this uh, table, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it. I just want to show you to make one important point that young, and young women has, have displayed the greatest amount of change toward liberal values. So uh, based on this data, I can sort of speculate that the future of the, of the Middle East is going to be uh, 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 one that women play a more active role in the, in the, in the making of uh, political uh, or liberal democracy. Now on identity, we ask respondents, uh, which of the following describe, best describes you? I'm Egyptian, Iranian, Iraqi, Tunisian, Turkish citizen, Saudi above all, or Muslim above all, or Arab, Kurs, Persian, Turk above all, or others. So we try to force respondents to choose one among the four to say identity. We asked this question from Iranian in 2000, 2000 and 2005 survey, and there was a major shift away from religious identity to national identity. 
particularly in Tehran, I mean, among both educated uh, women and men, the percentage of Iranian who identify with, uh, with territorial nation was much, much higher than identification with religion. So here is, among Egyptian, it fluctuated. Before the Arab Spring, the majority of Egyptians defined themselves as Muslim. But after, in 2011, this began to change, and the majority of Egyptians begin to define themselves something like 52% as Egyptian above all. It went up to 56% and 63%. So Egyptian identity was going up. Then there was a military coup that uh, by LCC, and somehow that changed, that Egyptian identity went back, then the majority began to define themselves as Muslim above all uh, in 2016, 71% in 2020, and 59% in 2013. The identity among Tunisian is, is hard to explain because the majority defined themselves as Muslim, despite the fact that generally Tunisians tend to be more liberal socially. But among Turkish respondents, the majority uh, were identifying as Muslim above all, and 44% defined themselves as Turkish citizen above all. That percentage went up to 56 and then to 63%. So the trends in value among the Turkish respondents is something that doesn't make Mr. Erdogan very happy, you know, toward gender equality, national identity, and secular politics. It's just the opposite of what Erdogan was trying to accomplish in his country. Now, among Iraqi is quite interesting. Let's begin with secular with popularity of of secular politics, separation of religion and politics, and uh, Western type governments. The upper uh, curve shows that the percentage of the Iraqis responded who believe that this society would be better if religion and politics was separated. In the first survey, 52% strongly agree, agree with that. It went up to 66%. So the majority, it is between 2004 and 2011. If you carry out the survey, my, uh, I speculate that there is even a stronger support for secular politics, particularly experiencing the intervention of the Islamic regime to their affairs and the rise of ISIS and Al-Qaeda. That all prompted the, the Iraqi to think that religious government is not good for their country. And by the same token, after the, during, a year after the occupation, only 21% of Iraqis like to have Western type government. But that percentage went up to, in, to 45% in 2011. So as we see among Iraqis, there was a major shift towards support for uh, secular politics. The corollary of that argument is a significant decline in support for Islamic government and the Sharia. In 2004, only about 30% liked to have Islamic government, or they thought that uh, the implementation of the Sharia is the characteristics 
of the good government, Sharia being Islamic law. But that uh, drop to something like 13 and 15%. Uh, so we see support for the separation of religion politics increase. Support for religious government or uh, Islamic law has significantly declined among Iraqis. Another interesting fact is this. We know that foreign occupation contribute to nationalism. And the best example, the best actually, the most glorious example is what we are witnessing today in Ukraine. But we also historically know that the rise of British, uh, Egyptian nationalism was a response to the British occupation of their country that started in 1882. And the rise of Algerian nationalism was a response to French occupation of their country. The rise of economic nationalism in Iran under Mossadegh was in response to the British control of the Iranian oil uh, uh, industry. So in Iraq also, we see the same thing. We ask Iraqis whether they define themselves as Iraqi above all, Muslim above all, or Arab above all. Interestingly enough, Iraq is a place when Arab nationalism started, but Arab nationalism is dead. Only less than 4% of Iraqis define themselves as Arab above all. They are either define themselves as Muslim or Iraqis. So in 2004, only 23% defined themselves as Iraqi above all. That went up to 32% in 2006, then went up to the majority. As you see, that the majority of Iraqis define themselves in territorial nation rather than in religion. So again, this data confirmed the theory that foreign occupation contribute to uh, nationalist awareness and nationalism. Okay. Implications of what is what does it mean? You know, what, what should we do with this data? Well, the change, changes in values have implication for sociological theories of ideological production. They provide insight uh, on how values change, what type of values are more likely to change, and, and among what kind of people. I give you an example that secret, attitude towards secret politics increase considerably, but toward expressive individualism didn't change, but not much. Significant change, but it wasn't not big enough for us to light a cigarette. Not it's not good for your health, but to say hooray, you know, to be excited about it. But it's still, this is the, the right direction. There was a change toward, for example, gender equality, but the amount of change was not big enough. However, attitude toward female education. The majority of the respondents are in favor of it. In other words, when we ask questions, the university education is more important for girls than it is for boys. The majority, the great majority of respondents either disagree or strongly disagree. So this is how values toward women, attitude toward women will change toward gender equality. First, 
people become less resistant toward female education. And but when women go to university, they get a degree. When they get a degree, they want they don't want to stay home. They are educated. They can articulate their interests more effectively, and that will affect. That would lead changes in value in other domains like political leadership in the family, in the economy, and so forth. So this data has implication for sociological theory of social change, of value change and how values changes. However, I would like to pose what happened in Iran. Again, we don't, I didn't show, uh, do not have survey data to show a shift in value among Iranian, but based on tremendous amount of uh, empirical evidence and the work of uh, noted historian of Iran, one of prominent them is in this room, they show that, that the shift in value occur among Iranian to a liberal democracy. So, so we want to place the change in value within a broader historical perspective and current conflict over the future of liberal democracy. To give you sort of a background that modernity or the, the emergence of liberal democracy, according to historians, is the outcome of four major revolutions that occurred. The first one was the Reformation Revolution of 1517 that answered what to believe in religion. And Martin Luther went in the, on what was October 31st, 1517, uh, 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 published his 95 thesis on the Catholic Church, wanted to fix the Catholic Church, but unfortunately, sometimes you have a good idea, but in practice, the good idea would lead to sectarian warfare. But after 30 years of uh, Catholic and Protestant killing one another, eventually it led to some sort of religious pluralism. Then the second revolution was the revolution of the 17th century and the rise of nation state that changed monarchy that changed, uh, basically created that nation state uh, uh, that uh, changed the sort of the king into monarch and the role into a nation. The third that really brought the idea of, of equality was 18th century enlightenment uh, revolution. Uh, and finally was you know, Marx argued that, well, the notion of political equality doesn't make any sense in unequally divided, economically unequal society or uh, class divided society. So, but the attempt to create that socialist egalitarian society uh, after the Russian revolution and then revolution, other kind of communist revolution in other places was like a medicine that killed the patient, did not produce a more prosperous egalitarian society, but created a totalitarian system. The reason that I mention is that maybe there is a fifth revolution that is far more dangerous to liberal democracy than previous revolution that was going on. It appears that a fifth wave of revolution movement has been underway in the past 40 years. It is led by Islamic fundamentalists in the Middle East, Christian fundamentalists and right-wing political parties in the US and anti-democratic right-wing nationalists in other places, Jewish fundamentalists and right-wing parties in Israel's 
Russia and China. Despite their remarkable diversity, all are united by their common hostility to individual right, political equality, and liberal democracy. The liberal swing in the Middle East, in particular, the support for liberal democracy and unwavering critique of, of the religious despotic regime among Iranians, and most importantly, the courageous struggle of Ukrainian against the Russian invasion and for the protection of the liberal democratic order all together may indicate a broader struggle for democracies that is trans transpiring on the world stage. The crucial problem for the, for the revival of liberal democracy in the West and the institutionalization of this discourse in the Middle East in, is in the realm of leadership. The experience of Ukraine has clearly demonstrated that for liberalism to be revived and protected or to be institutionalized in the Middle East, the presence of militant liberal leadership is necessary, absolutely necessary. Someone who could tap into the desire of the masses for liberty to mobilize their emotional energy in a sustained struggle to bring into relief a new democratic pattern. Such a leadership in the region is currently wanting, particularly among Iranian. This explains the, the remarkable resistance of Ukrainian against the Russian aggression and the weakness of the movement for liberal democracy among Iranian and the people from other Middle Eastern countries. So the conclusion, therefore, our intellectual attention span, the amount of time that we are fixated on an issue should be fixated in defending expressive individualism and individual right, gender equality, secular politics, religious tolerance, and generally liberal values. Thank you very much.